Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the HBO series Westworld, created by Jonathan Nolan. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome into episode 97 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. Freeze all motor functions. Who were you, uh, were you playing Bernard? Bring yourself back online. Because you're black. You're playing Bernard. We're way beyond a glitch here. Nick Cheney also here with us. Uh, hi, Nick. Nick is not available. Bring yourself back online. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Well, hello there. <laughs> Did I fall asleep? <laughs> Did I do that? Uh, we are talking about the HBO series Westworld today. So our second episode centered around a television series. At least a season of television. And... I'm going to keep shutting down. <laughs> well, anyway. we have one person who didn't love it. Toussaint. Really. Yeah, I know. It was me. One person who quite enjoyed it, and then our person who absolutely loved it. And you at home couldn't guess who's who before we start talking. Yep. There's a weird thing in my beard can. Have you ever felt that before? Feel that. Oh, boy. I don't know. Just, isn't that weird? Like, it's like... No, no, like feel the actual can. Oh, yeah, isn't that, like an indentation. Okay. No, it's like they glued the can <laughs> together or something. I don't know. Mm. Um, this, I just felt like this really needed to be addressed. I guess maybe this episode. maybe you could write that company and see what the fuck's going on there. You're right. It's yeah. A little weird. Yeah, like yeah a isn't seam. that weird? Yeah. There's like a seam. I just, yeah. I don't know. It's starting to make me think. Like, like, did they? Plan it like this? With you know, am I programmed to notice this kind of thing? And then does this start a new narrative, or you know, I, it's, it's just freaking me out. I'm Thank sorry. you for bringing it all. Well, all as back. we as we saw, really, it's not a like it just goes from word to word to word, and it's just a yeah, it literally whole says thing. escape, <laughs> coerce. <laughs> so improvisation. Yes, sure. Uh, that's that. That's some when it gets to that. That it's got these options, and then we should probably point out just because we normally do movies, but since we are doing a TV show, we are going to spoil the entire season like off the bat, and we're not going to like ease into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just wanted to say that before we continue talking. Such yeah. a nice person. I try. Yeah. So uh, the plot that centers around Westworld, at least according to the Internet Movie <laughs> Database, is about a West. What did they know about TV? It's true. <laughs> it's about a Western-themed futuristic theme park populated with artificial intelligence that allows high-paying guests <laughs> to live out their fantasies with no consequences or retaliation from the Android hosts until now. Whoa. Whoa. That's what happens when you get an Android. That's why I go Apple all the way. 
I like that the. I like that this just says that the uh, the park is populated with artificial. Yeah. Intelligence. What the fuck is? Are like guests going around? Oh, there's artificial intelligence, honey. Take a picture. Yeah. It's sentient. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why aren't there as many families in this park? I mean, what the hell? Well, it's pretty much shooting people and raping hookers. So that's kids can get in on that. <laughs> oh. They're fake. Oh. There are children that are just not real children. Here, here's how I see it. And, and recreations I, I'm going to say something yeah. controversial, but if you have a park like this, why not use it for good and let depraved and sick individuals live out their actual sick fantasy that they would get you know, in trouble for in real life, if mm. you can understand what I'm hinting at. Yeah. Yeah, I think I get what you're, you're going at. I don't, I don't saying, know if I know, agree with you if, on if, that. Well, I'm just saying, it. would you rather have it have them do that to a human android yeah. or... Human I mean, yeah. are, are are the androids are they are they real now? Because you know this humans? whole show, and this is not actually a criticism of the show, despite like thinking they'll probably say it later. Mm-hmm. On. But mm-hmm. but I will say the whole show uh, continues to like say like this is where the most depraved like I don't know comes out of your soul or whatever mm-hmm. it shows you. But I'm like I don't see anybody like taking a seven year old android and like raping it and like I'm sorry but like Yeah, I felt that that it, same way too. If you're if you're gonna pay forty thousand dollars, you should get a service. And I'm not saying that has to be pedophilia. Yeah. But I feel like there would be more of a variation than rape shoot, rape shoot, and especially in a very heteronormative way. So anyway. Yeah. Except for Season two is what I'm trying to say is I hope there's more variations on that depravity. Even well, we, though clearly that <laughs> doesn't look like We we did trajectory. get the uh no uh, he did get the uh, the man who works in the lab. All those people who work in the lab, by the way, apparently are complete idiots. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like I totally understand what they're why they would do it because, like, who wouldn't? But uh, you know, your whole fucking office is made out of glass walls, man. <laughs> so don't cast stones or lube up your dick unless you can frost those glass. I mean, I just it's just it's weird. Yeah, especially the the one guy in the I think it's in the final episode. Oh, the guy that rapes. Uh... Rapes the guy from uh, 300. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like the way he like puts in his earbuds and then he starts <laughs> doing this like Ferris Bueller dance, like I'm going to lube up my cock. Yeah. And it is just, I thought he was doing like a Buffalo Bill dance. From, it was something. It's fine. Like, sounds lame. Uh, but it's yeah, it's like. Uh, I think his name is Rodrigo Santoro, by the way, is the guy who yeah, was on the receiving end of that. Oh. That was Hector. Oh yeah, Hector. Yeah, yeah no. yes. Oh boy. Although it was totally fine that outside of the world, he was having sex with what's her name in her hotel room. So that was weird. Oh, you mean Maeve? No. What are you talking about? Who? No, uh, the, the Charlotte. Charlotte Hall. Yeah. She... Oh, that was him. Yeah. yeah. Oh wait, wait. Hector was in the bed. Yeah. 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 Okay, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. For a moment, I thought you meant the <laughs> the lab guy. I'm like, whoa. I don't think he'd be into Tessa Thompson. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Anyways, other people who we see throughout the season here in terms of actors and actresses are Evan Rachel Wood, who's for the most part. The wait, main so that character. wasn't actor? That wasn't a robot. That's that's crazy. What? How did they do that? Okay. Uh, Jeffrey Wright. Ed Harris, Stanley Newton, James Martson, uh, Luke Hemsworth. Also making appearances are Shannon Woodward, Ben Barnes, and Rodrigo Santoro, as I mentioned already, Clifton Collins Jr., and Anthony Hopkins as Hearts of Atlantis. Toussaint's favorite character of all time. 
One of them. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. So, again, I mentioned Jonathan, words. Jonathan Nolan created the series. He also directed the first and last episode of the season. And, yeah, there's definitely quite a few things to say here, good, bad, otherwise, about this series uh, that definitely um, based a lot of its narrative... Core ideas and such. Well, it, it based a lot of, I think, its punch on having these cool reveals throughout the season. Yeah. Which I don't necessarily know is going to be great for repeat viewing, but um, I think it'll also shed light on certain things throughout the season if you watch it again that you wouldn't have thought of the first time. So maybe it'll be just fine hmm. for a different reason. Yeah. Um, Toussaint, you were the one who's been on board with this for... A long time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you were very excited. And you are the only one who actually followed this was uh, having its live run mm-hmm. during uh, October. I watched the pilot the night it aired. So yeah. did I. <laughs> yeah. We talked about it yeah, on an episode that actually right. I just posted last week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Tucson, you were all in on this show. And uh, why don't you tell us and everyone else kind of how you felt about it. Yeah. If, if you were indeed the one who really did not like it. Oh, well, I'll have to reveal that I was the one. I, I was not the one that oh, didn't like it. Oh, yeah. shit. I, uh, I actually really did enjoy the show. I w- I've been looking forward to the show um, since it was first announced back in 2013, where all, when all they had was a short 30-second clip of just, like, like flashed images and footage and stuff like that, where they just ma- mashed it together. It was a much different show, even though it mm-hmm. hadn't obviously been created yet, but like it was like Daniel Craig vehicle and mm-hmm. a lot of other things that didn't come to pass. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I would have to say that I'm I'm pleased with the, the final the final product. I don't think that it's a, a perfect show by any means. And it's definitely it's I, I, I've actually listened back to our, our previous conversation for the first episode and there were a lot of interesting ideas that we brought up initially that unfortunately just were not elaborated on. Like Nick, I think you were talking about the potential of the show of introducing guest stars in such a way that they you could have them as like actual guests at the Westworld who are like coming there for like different reasons, such or even the introduction of like new hosts in that sort of way. The the commission and the retirement of of hosting that way and i just feel like that was a very very good guess and i'd love to see that implemented i just don't think it'll be implemented in this show just because not anymore not 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 anymore at least just because um i guess we can dive into like initial comparisons right now um until jeffrey dean morgan shows up yeah until yeah because he shows up in everything every damn thing um I guess the the show that this one is is that Westworld is most like is Dollhouse in sort of a way, and I know oh, it is. and I know that 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 Nick is is giving me some side eye right now, but they're he's they're, like I already had this teed up, you fucker. They're very very different shows, and I'm look, hear I'm looking forward. No, they're to very different but very similar shows. Very yes, very different, <clears throat> very similar shows, and like at least in their their core concept, but in the construction of both shows, like you have Dollhouse, which is more. I would say I don't know if you would agree with this. Nick, it's more episode focused. Oh yeah, it's it's much more episodic and it's more based around the the concept of the malleability of identity. That and also like human enslavement, like this. Yes, for yes. all of its, I would say, trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, they are still 
robots. Like, no matter what you call them exactly. or whether you think they deserve this or that, they, they're not. Whereas Dollhouse is like they're actual human beings being brainwashed. Right. Yes. Whereas Westworld is more about this long, continuous arc. There is very little... There's very little fat, and I'm not saying that every part of it is good, but all the 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 lull moments are eventually meant to be paid towards like the 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 end game, which is the the last episode, the tenth episode, and it's more dealing with like artificiality and high minded like artificial consciousness and like the state of like what does it mean to actually be aware? Like those are the the loftier like sci fi conceits that when Dollhouse was first on the air. That's the sort of show that I thought that it was going to be, but it turned out not to be. And, I, and eventually I learned to like come at the show and like love it for what it is instead of what I wanted it to be. And I guess Westworld moves a little bit closer to what my initial expectations for Dollhouse were. Um, I, I love the performances. I think Evan Rachel Wood just like totally stole it for me. I, I love her as, as a leading woman of her Dolores. And I think that Anthony Hopkins is one – Apart from from Westworld, he's one of the greatest living actors of his time, and I really enjoyed his turn as sort of the, um, I guess I can call him a antagonist um, for Robert Ford, and I also like the guy who, uh, who played Bernard. Um, I'm just Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright, because for him to be able to, most of his scenes were with with Anthony Hopkins with Ford, and for him to be able to play off off of. Anthony Hopkins and be able to just like share the space with him to not entirely be eclipsed, but to be his own presence in the presence of Anthony Hopkins. I think that shows, I think that shows tremendous talent and tre- tremendous skill. And I love that. What I like too about, <clears throat> cause the Jeffrey Wright reveal, which is I think in like episode six, seven, seven yeah. uh, which is certainly there are a couple other things that are revealed later, but that is kind of the turning point Mm -hmm. for the season where you start playing with the fact that people who as the audience, we just assumed were people are not, they are in fact hosts. Um, But we picked up on that on the first episode too, that there Mm -hmm. might be an implication that, some of them are not who they say right. they are. Yeah. I mean, every show, be- sci-fi genre show before this that dealt with anything similar, whether it be Dollhouse with the Dolls or Battlestar Galactica with the Cylons. If you ever introduce a show where people can be a whatever the uh, non-human species that the show is centering on mm-hmm. in plain sight, then there's going to be oh, yeah. reveals and reverse reveals where sure. like people will not actually be robots. Although they didn't do that. Yeah. They didn't do a so, uh, so far. So far. Although now, at least with the established characters, that'd be pretty fucking hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they kept yeah. showing them like yeah, no. being worked on. And sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I, I will say, though, uh, definitely a great payoff for that. Uh, something my wife Emily asked me about multiple times. She's like, where are these? How is he having these conversations with Dolores mm-hmm. in this? And we just, that is actually Arnold having those conversations many years ago. Yeah. So. Yep. That's that was a, that was a nice little payoff, and a lot of things like his relationship with Teresa, which obviously was just to get information from her and feed it back to Ford, is is pretty pretty great as well. So right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I really enjoyed uh, the aesthetic for this show. I enjoyed the music. Um, I guess maybe because I am I'm a Radiohead fan <laughs> that I just kind of. <laughs> 
I, that, that, that was just like like catnip for me. To do be. you like player piano versions of your favorite alternative 90s band? Yes. Yes, I do. I play Bioshock. World where we've got them all. Yeah, we got all the hits. Black Hole Sun. Yeah. That was great. He's a big Soundgarden fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, just thought it was a really great show, and I'm looking forward to like delving more and talking more about it. So I'll pass it off. Well, I can go next, as uh, I am a person who also enjoyed this show. It only leaves one person. Uh, I don't think... Yeah. Nick's just looking around and... Oh, shit, it's me. Yeah. I don't think I enjoy this quite as much as Tucson, but I still did quite enjoy uh, this entire show. Uh, I marathoned this pretty much entire season yeah. uh, over a weekend, and um, I enjoyed watching it in that sort of capacity. And in that short back-to-back kind of viewing arena, uh, seeing the development of the characters and the way that they go from episode to episode, um, this definitely did feel like, even though it is for sure a science fiction show through and through, this definitely feel like felt to me like it uh, got a big whiff of the standard HBO format of... Uh, certain characters being featured on certain episodes and completely being disregarded on other episodes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Dolores doesn't even appear in one of the episodes, which is definitely an interesting thing for your main character just not to be there. Yeah. Um, and we really just follow different storylines closer in certain episodes where Bernard will have pretty much an entire episode about him. Ed Harris's character will have a whole episode about him. And then we have the reveal later on that he and William are indeed the same person, uh, which kind of, I think, is going to leave some holes if you watch the season back again, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, it, there was there was a lot here that felt very HBO, which I'm a huge fan of HBO's original programming, mm-hmm. so um, I was all over that. And I thought for the most part... Uh, there was a lot of great things here. I think the best part of the series was probably individual scenes slash moments, which I feel like there were probably like 30 of them that were fantastic. Mm. Um, overall, though, uh, I felt like there were certain episodes that I just got bored with mm. and that the storylines just got so repetitive. And I know that it was obviously purposeful because we're trying to show that this is what this world is, is they're on this continuous loop. And I get that. But for me as a viewer, I felt like, boy, I've seen the same storyline 13 times played back and they keep going back to it. And that's fine. But I honestly don't care anymore. I know how the Abernathy storyline goes. Well, and to be Alex charitable, that uh, one thing I'll say before I'm not going to get into my impressions, yeah. but one thing I'll say as far as like what I loved about the pilot is that I thought that's what we were up for like throughout this whole season that we were going to get these loops shown to us time and time and again, but that we were going to get meaningful changes and reverberations, and I was going to be all there for that. But like you kind of point out, Alex. We don't really get that. We get more of a like. like Here's her loop. I was yep. like, uh, especially like Maeve, who has to go through her loops just to get back to the lab. Right. And we so yeah no and and it didn't really deliver the same way that I thought the pilot expertly set up. Could you imagine, like when you when you when you, when you explain it like that, it's like I'm, I'm seeing sort of like this show with, with Westworld kind of like constructed 
in sort of a way that like the fourth season of Arrested Development was. <laughs> See like these different like loops and circuits just kind of like inter like interact and graze one another like you might see the the man in black and teddy like going off somewhere in the distance it's like where the fuck are they going and then the next episode you see like where they're actually going yeah i can see that yeah uh so really quickly just to finish up my opening yeah. thoughts i uh like Dusan thought of mostly the performances were really strong mm. uh evan rachel wood was good james Mardson i thought was really good in his role even though he kind of played a very stereotypical role. I thought he's the perfect person to pick to play that. Uh, I enjoyed Ed Harris, but I, uh, as someone who's a huge fan of him, I thought he could have been better, actually. Uh, maybe part of it is his, his, maybe just the character, or even just his age, as he doesn't have the kind of... Well, trying to be Jimmy Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Or maybe Jimmy Simpson was trying to be him. I don't uh-huh. know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, and one or of the... maybe neither one of them knew about that twist until they got the script for the tenth episode. <laughs> well, oh yeah. shit! Uh, and something I already mentioned to Dusan, which is a pretty big departure from uh, what the general feeling is, but the Maeve storyline, I actually didn't love every mm. part of it. Yeah, uh, I got a little tired of her just continuously going back and forth with the replaceable stupid robots who are the people who work at Westworld, who yeah. are just kind of there to process the plot and move us along to her next scene that's more meaningful. And it just, for- it's the same kind of problem for me. It just got a little repetitive, especially towards the end, as yeah. I felt like we were watching the same thing over and over. That, to me, is the most glaring... Um, the most glaring weakness of this first season in that these are the the useful idiots. These are the convenient, useful idiots that are only there to expand the plot. Like, anyone else would have just fucking gone to HR well, and... What the fuck is what the fuck is Maeve gonna do? It's like, oh yeah, well they're trying to do stuff. It's like, you're a malfunctioning robot. I don't or, give a shit or, what you or, think. Or at least could have had a little more depth to their character. Both yeah. of the guys are just technically stereotypes. The, they're, I get from a writer standpoint that they're going along with it because they think they're going to be yeah. killed if they don't. Yeah. But um, uh, there were two, in my opinion, insufferable characters on this show. One was the second lab technician that is the partner in crime with yeah. the Asian one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Just the laughs> I don't know his name because yeah. I don't know that the show really ever even developed him enough yeah. but uh but his partner was just like i don't know who acts like that <laughs> and it was, it was really weird i'm like what for a the show, fuck well for a show that is like that's important on a show in which you need to be able to tell who's a robot and who's a human <laughs> and when your performance is so bad where i'm like oh is he a robot <laughs> then <laughs> He's uh just a fucking yeah idiot. casting department next um so yeah, that and um, I'll just talk about the other insufferable character a little bit later. But um, uh, I'm, I'm like on the edge of my the, seat here. The right? guy who you think is insufferable, his his character's name is Sylvester. Oh, Sylvester. Sounds okay. about right. Was the other one Tweety? No, uh, <laughs> the other one was Felix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Felix the Asian. Okay. Yeah. Can you can you tell us now? A uh, Logan. Easily, like I thought, that was one of the worst written characters. Logan, isn't there, is that even a longtime guest? His hedonistic romp through Westworld is equally motivated. It's Williams, yeah, his his Partner. his brother-in-law. Yeah, brother-in-law. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one who's on the receiving end of yes. the horse ass slap. Yes. 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 I just thought his writing and performance from start to finish was atrocious. Yeah. And I thought it was awful, especially <laughs> okay. because. 
is supposed to like we're with it <laughs> for a while and and he's supposed to be like he's supposed to be the person who's the target for Westworld, right? Yeah, like that kind of. He's attitude. also the red herring for the uh, whole Men in Black. Yeah, he's literally just sent back to his home planet or something <laughs> yeah. over the horizon. Um, and yeah, well, why don't you elaborate a little more on your initial thoughts? Not necessarily on Logan because we yeah. don't need to spend a lot of time on him. Um, I didn't even know who that was. Yep. So there you go. Yeah. I, okay. So I made a point to say on this podcast that I love television probably more than I love film. Yeah. So it pains me because I'm usually more lenient with television shows because I just I want to catch them all. Uh, but I I gotta say at the end of the day I watched nine out of ten of these episodes in a pretty consistent manner. Uh, and then I just like I I reached this point where I, I'm gonna watch the finale, but yet I still didn't even know if I liked the show or not, mm. and that was like a weird mindset. So I kind of waited like a whole week, which was last night, uh, until I watched the finale. And yeah, if I was on the fence uh, before this finale, I'm I'm off the fence and into the neighbor's yard, and the cops are being called uh, because I'm trespassing and. I, I'm just not a fan of this show. I, I really want to like it. I think yeah. it's. Uh, I'm always on board for more genre TV, and I, some of the shows we've already cited as its predecessors, like Dollhouse and Battlestar Galactica, I think are two of the greatest shows in the past uh, uh, quarter of a century, and not just of genre TV, but, but television, television in general. In general, And so I was kind of excited for another one to join the ranks. I think ultimately... The first, I think Westworld is better at setting up than it is at telling a story. I think, like its uh, practitioners of the park, uh, they can come up with these grand nuanced narratives, but at the end of the day, uh, I guess I'm the board because I don't give a shit about the narratives that are being presented to me, and I have my other, I have other opinions as to how this should have went. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you're just, you're just like Anthony Hopkins in that one amazing scene where they're the one guy who's supposed to be in charge. Yeah, the but British guy or whatever. An, another guy who's the, yeah. the narrative designer. He's pretty much worthless yeah. uh, it, for the season of like, television. Like, what's his job if Anthony Hopkins, like, I can get why he would replace Anthony Hopkins, yeah. but what would he be doing I guess as long would, as Anthony was, Hopkins is Anthony there? Anthony Hopkins was letting him do that before. Uh, well, if he screwed anything up, he just vetoed okay. it. Yeah. But yeah, I love that scene when that he's good, yeah. pre- presenting the entire new thing he's just put together <laughs> and Anthony Hopkins is like, no, I don't think so. He's like, yeah. no, <laughs> no. It's like, did you like anything about it? It's like, what yeah. size are those boots? <laughs> I was like, damn. Uh-huh. That's pretty much my reaction by the time this season of television ended, which is that uh, I, I I can understand why anybody would like this, but unfortunately, past the first two episodes, which I thought were pretty great, especially mm. the pilot, I thought the pilot completely set me up for a show that I didn't quite receive, but uh, in a fascinating way that I was totally on board for. But once we get past that opening, uh, right? once we get out of the gate, uh, this show does not understand, in my opinion, the basics of uh, narrative drama. Like, you remove the sci-fi element of it, the, you know, asking questions about consciousness and, and that kind of stuff, which I find fascinating. And mm. I do think some of these conversations in the show itself was great, but I get that from a TED Talk. If I'm sitting down to watch a television show, 
it still needs to work from episode to episode, and I absolutely don't think this really did. And and I only mainly watched it out of both obligation to the fact that we are going to do this podcast, but mm-hmm. also to the performers who I thought were pretty much adequate. And obviously, it's an HBO show, so it's not unwatchable or anything like that. But this is a show for me that has the cadence of prestige TV, and yet none of the material to actually deliver it. on it. Yeah. So. Um, I guess one more thing to go into, which is there are many moments uh, in which I was utterly confused as to whether the writers wanted me to be invested in the storyline I was watching or not. Because there are many times in which we have to, like, go through a slog of watching William and Dolores go through some stupid narrative in the park. Mm -hmm. And that is so elongated to the point where I'm like, but this is fake. (laughs) And yet we could be using this time to actually build up characters both inside and outside of the park. And I just didn't quite under... I mean, we, we, we have at least three to four episodes of them uh, trying to reach the end of the... I guess that was their mission. I don't really know. Going which to it, which Pariah. Which ends, ends up being because but, they was set up the whole time. And here's the other thing. Like, Let me just point this out. And I, I don't think this... I think this, uh, this show aims to entertain the audience on an episode-by-episode basis and not to have you think too hard of how this episode, how these episodes connect to one one in each other. Uh, Because I'm frankly kind of... I, I think the Man in Black is William twist is utterly absurd. Not because when it happened, I was like utterly shocked and like, no. well, how did they get that from there? Because when uh, when you, it's like, okay, I get it on a writer's standpoint how the whole they've been saying this throughout the whole season. Uh, so many characters say like, oh, this park shows you who you really are, that yeah. kind of thing. But we have to watch six or seven episodes of William as a completely different person mm-hmm. than the yeah. man in black. Not like there is no seed of the man in black. And we even have his fucking Logan. He puts on that black cowboy hat at the end. Though. Oh, doesn't he though? Okay. But we have a scene and this is where I'm just like completely aghast at the, the, the utter failures of writing like week to week of these characters and whatnot. The, 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 the orgy episode, like where they get to the weird part of the town where it's like, this is not the edge of Westworld. It's just like the crazy part of Westworld. Crazy. Yeah. It's the place crazy? that, um, the, the Federados or yeah, what, what it's the place that Clifton Collins Jr. Yeah. Yeah. character, which I actually love that uh, that little twist, by the way, if I can interject really which quickly. Twist? Well, he plays Lawrence, but he actually has a different full name, which is Alonzo, I believe. Oh, yeah. But we see him early on talking with Ed Harris, and he's pretty yep. much dragging him, yeah. and he tells him that they had a long story together a long time ago. And then right after he dies, that version of Lawrence, we see that character show up in William's adventure. And when you're first seeing it, you're like, oh, he's alive and he's back in his loop again. But really, this is... And so I thought that was actually really good. And that's the problem with Westworld in general for me, is that Ed Harris's character is written with the retroactive knowledge that he was once William. Mm -hmm. William is in no way written with the foresight that he would eventually turn into the man in black. Like I, I I get that they are supposed to be two halves. So it's not like he should be right out of the gate, an evil person or whatever, but there's just no hint of, in my opinion, of the character development that, especially if, if uh, Ed Harris has to do it in a, 
monologue exposition 10-minute montage that essentially goes through that transformation. And, and but we also – we do, though, however, get the sort of the conclusion that Ed Harris outside of Westworld is actually – a pretty decent person at least that's at least on its face well yeah, yeah i was gonna say but they, they kept saying that well i mean that, his, his wife and kids knew what he really well was. they they that they takes place entirely off screen which it I does think, which is the problem to, to sort of build off of nick's criticism of that like i have to agree that i i think that my my criticism of the whole man in black william reveal is not that it's like oh man where did they pull that that from i think that literally Following the production uh, history of this show, remember when they had that break where they were like, "Yeah, we're just like tidying up the last episodes of this of this yeah. this whole first season." I think that, and this is just my speculation, uh, like just going off of what I've seen of the show, is that I think that they really didn't have any fucking clue whether or not they wanted the man in black to either be Logan or William. And they were just trying to like suss that out with a couple of other narrative threads that they were trying well, to bring it, together. If, if, if and, it, and an, another thing about the whole arc and the whole evolution of, or perhaps lack of evolution between William and the man in black, I feel like the bulk of that actual arc of him becoming the man in black takes place entirely off screen. It's the intermittent years between him putting it's, on that black I hat. I say it's off screen, but it's also on screen for like a minute a second, in, yeah. in exposition. Yeah. And we're supposed to take that at its, at it, you know, yeah. face. Right, yeah. Because he says like, well, he found out he had a taste for it. I was yeah. like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Which, um, which we kind of see a little bit. I don't buy into the, the it was either him or Logan becoming the man in, the man in black. Like Logan is just such a throwaway character. Like he's got no. I actually to I, I kind of agree with Alex in the sense that I kept thinking Logan was going to turn into somebody else. Like I thought that was going to maybe not even a, a scene character, but yeah. he would be the like the the owner of the other company or something like mm-hmm. that. Like that they yeah. were sending secrets to or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, like the best example I can give as to the uh, cognitive dissonance. Oh. <laughs> Of this wackadoodle twist is um, so in that orgy scene or that that place whatever. Yeah. So Logan first gives William that first monologue about he's like, "You're just a fucking pussy. There's no way you would ever do anything awful because I know who you are." And it's like a really dramatic moment and whatnot. And yet. When he's on the horse, completely naked, about to whatever, he's like, I knew you were this asshole. <laughs> and he said the exact flip opposite of what he said. But we're like, it's delivered in a matter of fact, like, oh, no, wait, yeah. for some weird reason, the writers don't think Change that we remember yeah. like three episodes ago. Yeah. And so that, that's, the, that's the clumsiness of it all, in my opinion. I fucking in, knew it. <laughs> in, in, in a nutshell. Um Outside of that, though, the William uh, Man in Black, even though I do think that's the most important thread of this first season, uh, I wouldn't say anything was as weak as that, but nothing ever truly jumped to the forefront to be well-developed. There were a few nice surprises, like how I kept 
getting pissed off that uh, in the beginning of a season that I'm like oh god the the writers gave uh, Bernard a dead kid because that's the cheapest. I thought he was the best written character in the entire show. Really? Because I don't you think he like has him? a character. Well, yeah, well but by the yeah. end of the show, now that's a much more confusing question to answer because yeah. Bernard is Bernard is Arnold is right, which is, which which is why I said what I just said because oh. I feel like Jeffrey Wright's performance a is great. I thought. And Bernard's character is supposed to be this mysterious sort of figure that nobody really knows much about. He's been around for as long as anybody can remember. Right. Which is which is why I liked it so much and why I thought it was pretty brilliant, even if it was just bad writing. It just sort of worked out with his character. Well, and that's what I'm trying to say. That that's why at the beginning I was like, okay, the, the, the writers gave him a dead kid. That is the one of the cheapest conceits in fiction you know, mm-hmm. to do because it means you don't actually have to write for the character that does all the writing for it. Then we find out that uh, Ford wrote that into him because he's actually a robot. So I'm like, okay, I don't know if that's clever yeah, that's or... That's supposed to be a meta, like, sort of like... Or is that just you know you know yeah, yeah meta whatever right, right. Uh, but then they also that that even that gets kind of overturned too because then that is technically not a fabrication that is his backstory mm. he did have a, a dead but kid not, but and not that's the only what? thing and but, that's the only thing that really fuels his mm. strive for consciousness and affection for Dolores which I will say I still don't understand to this day when Anthony Hopkins gives that one monologue. Well, he had a dead kid, so he really took to Dolores. Yeah, because his dead kid was a thirty-something-year white woman. Like I, I just, why was he so? It, it never once drew in good enough. Because she had a great ass. <laughs> it, it was that was one of the weakest, and that he would just be like, yeah. "Oh, I, I want her to shoot me because I'm a, I'm a parent with a dead child." Can we, can can we talk Which, a little bit about? Can, I'm sorry, Robert yep. Ford, and about that. Character. I, I was good, just yeah. gonna mention that yeah. I thought that was fucking amazing, though. Yeah, uh, having Dolores shoot him in the back of the head at the into oh, you're talking off, about the yeah the party. very the yeah. very finale of it, yeah. and what? then that turns into just a straight up western shoot 'em up type ending. I which I thought was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. But the idea that she does the same thing that she does with Arnold is pretty fucking great. What are your impressions of? Like Anthony Hopkins' turn as Robert Ford for like his arc throughout the story. It's like, what do you, what do you think about that character? I'm honestly like just curious to know. I think Anthony Hopkins is a talented actor, and I certainly I can see what drew him to this role, and of course why HBO would want him to mm-hmm. do this. I did get a little tired halfway through the season when I realized that he wasn't a character so much as he was the person that got to uh, deliver exposition or what I would call like quantum exposition where, you know, it was just <laughs> quantum like... Quantum physics! You know, but it's like just the, what I would call, not fan service, but that like spoonful of sugar that helps the exposition go down where he has to dive into questions of consciousness without actually truly... Uh, addressing them, and I, I don't know. I just, I, I guess he didn't really stand out to me because it was such a bravura performance for such a stale character. Like, it's hard to rectify those two things for me because I, I think he's doing good work, but to what end? He mostly, I mean, God, the, the scene in uh, the final episode where he explained about uh, Arnold... No, Arnold, right? He's not Bernard. He's Arnold, the one, you know, where Dolores is going to shoot him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, that that whole thing is like a 10-minute scene where he's explaining everything <laughs> that the audience doesn't know. And 
so yeah, I, it's weird. I feel like he gives a facelift to exposition where you can kind of be seduced by the fact that you're just watching a man explain the plot of a TV show that forgot to actually tell his audience its own plot. Uh, I think I, I would have to disagree with that. Yeah. It's like I don't think that he's just a. I I, I will agree that in part he is sort of like the vessel of expo- of exposition in the story because he's sort of like the overarching sort of puppet master the the the, he's the willy wonka of westworld really only not flamboyant so um i I think that he is you don't think his character is flamboyant i wouldn't say he's flamboyant his whole one maybe sole character trait is that he's so reserved yeah yeah he just seems like he's so over it He's in, he's so yeah. over everything. Well, that and he's got the whole I'm superior to everybody. Exactly. Which is yeah. kind of why I feel like that sort of is a little bit of a character trait because he definitely likes but to But I wouldn't show say up. it's necessarily flamboyant. He's not going around and saying, are you stupid? He's right. just kind of like, oh, you mean you thought that they were conscious? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he puts on a very elaborate performance throughout the entire season and then ends that with he, a huge show of his death he I goes bet. from I, I, I liked now did he plan that so here's the thing okay. no are, are you being serious yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely saying, I think so why do you he, but do you think that there's ambiguity there I can um, I, I, I think it is but I'm sure okay. anyone could take something else from it the thing that I enjoyed the most out of Anthony Hopkins turn as Robert Ford is that what watching this Episode to episode, week to week, because like I felt like I was watching sort of what his relationship or what the perception of his relationship was with the host and with the park as well. Because really, the the park and host everything is sort of an extension of himself in in a lot of ways. Like we, we see this character who goes from admonishing one of the assistants for covering the the so-called shame of one of the hosts and cutting their cheek open with a scalpel and saying they don't feel any pain. Now fucking start over again and just basically not giving a shit and then apparently moving from that to moving from this dispassionate like i don't give a shit about these things they're just tools to eventually like he was really just playing the long game to sort of like manufacture their liberation and i think that to the question of whether he planned to die that way i think that everything that happened in the season and for the past like 30 years in that time span that he was like archiving all of those so-called faulty hosts to eventually like lead up to this moment the fact that he had he programmed Maeve to try to go for that rebellion and whether or not she is actually conscious on her own or if she's just playing to a script that's another question i think that he planted all the way up to that point and that really the 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 final monologue that he gives is that there's going to be blood and there's going to be horror but it's going to be by choice. But here's my question, and what, what and why I'm not fully on board with uh, Ford as a character. I'm also not entirely sure why they named him Robert Ford, uh, because if that's a very famous Western name, I thought it was going to be revealed that that's not his real name, or that there would be some kind of. I guess there's some Maybe irony just a, on the nose, like. Well, there's some irony to the fact that his name is Robert Ford. Somebody else came and shot him in the back of the head instead of Robert Ford shooting Jesse James oh, in the yeah, back of the head. Yeah. But if that's the only reason, then that's just a silly joke. Oh. Um, but here's the reason why I'm not also really on board with this character is that so much of 
his character or at least what we need to know about him in order to know him as a person is shrouded in secrecy throughout the whole series. We it, we we do not get to truly see how he runs his park or how um uh his relationship with Arnold because those need to be kept under wraps for some reason until episodes 8, 9, and 10. And because they're not doled out, we, we we literally, the first seven episodes, are not allowed into his headspace because it, it's just reveal after reveal that continues to cheat the audience out of actually getting to know any one of these characters, him included. I, I still, to this day, I, and I've watched all 10 now, I still don't quite understand if I know whether he's for or against these robots having consciousness like it it is such a i think weirdly that, tenuous way that it was written that i think it was thinks it's clear but it was really just kind of i think confusing i think that when when ford was young and i don't and i know how you feel about CGI the whole ford? the whole cgi <laughs> thing i i actually i don't think it looked it. bad yeah I didn't but i'm just it. getting grossed out by the fact that we we're, we're doing this on tv now yeah. because we just don't need to like yeah. and this is a show that I think would benefit from not doing that because if you hire a young actor, then you, we could actually have scenes of him and Arnold. But we can't do that because him and Arnold need to be kept in secrecy because we're not allowed to know that Jeffrey Wright is Arnold. And yeah, anyway, I think that it's 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 either so is he for consciousness on these robots? Like, I does think, he want I them think, to have it? I think that he is. Then why are we told that he fought Arnold on that? Because Front, you, because like, you know what changed in between him fighting Arnold and eventually like manufacturing this thirty year like long game Arnold's death. Did it though? Yeah. Did you did you I get think, that? I think it did. I think that Arnold's death. I think that's what was supposed to be be otherwise other otherwise stated or implied is like Arnold's death is what kind of changed his mind about this because Arnold was able to achievement unlock Dolores. Into doing that, so to speak, and then that's what changed for... No, no, I'm just, like, following this maze. Ha-ha! <laughs> God. It's... Uh, I, to, to answer your question, I don't necessarily know if he changed his tune. Because um, you say that it was did. planned, which if it Bullshit. is planned, then he's for it. He He's, yeah. he's all for that well, these no, robots I, I, I think he's for them being... But I, I think it's still a little bit... That doesn't, for me at least, completely answer that question because he could have just set up this new narrative, which is that the robots are running off of this controlled narrative that he's created and there's really no way out. I think Um, that... Sorry. No, I I, I, I was just going to finish really quickly by saying that uh, that I, I feel like although Robert Ford likes to put on this sort of big show in terms of showing that he's this great creator and he's John Hammond of this world. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the same time, he has nobody who he feels like he can confide in or trust. The only person that he actually talks to is the first generation cowboy, which I actually thought that uh, both of their conversations and I don't know who the actor's name played him, but that character was fantastic because it's basically just reciting things that are catchphrases. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks old. It moves like an animatronic, and it's great. Was the one boy, was that a little uh, Robert Ford? Yeah. I don't know if that was Robert Ford or if that was his brother because that's kind of 
Because he wears the same exact outfit, and he clearly has the same memory. It was but, supposed to be him. Yeah. But his that character's brother looks a lot more like Anthony Hopkins, which threw me off. So. Wait, how do we know what his brother looks like? Mm. No, I'm saying because... Oh, you're saying the little boy's brother. Yes, yes. Because the you. family is supposed to be Anthony Hopkins, which is why they have the Greyhound dog and everything. So I just I, thought it was the little boy. I didn't know about the whole which family. Which could be. Okay. Could be. Okay. I, I'm just, just... But obviously there's a connection there. Yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I just... Yeah, I feel like that's just a such a complicated character, and I will agree with Nick though is that we don't we don't get enough of finding out about him as his sole purpose is to bring exposition about this entire world to the audience, especially in the later episodes. I think that Arnold died, and before that, Ford had been arguing that no, they were just tools, they're just animatronics, or whatever, and the fact that is- him losing his his partner. Perhaps maybe his best friend? Is it is it a stretch to, to call Arnold like his only friend and confident in that way? I think that, we don't really know that. Th- that whole thing is already kind of bizarre because we find out pretty easily uh, that he had his entire existence basically erased from existence. I mean, like that... The truth is that nobody knew about Arnold. But, There's no record of him being involved in the creation of Westworld. So that's kind of a weird thing. But the robots remember. <laughs> okay, here's here's a serious question, yeah. though. And I think you're on to something, but I am just want clarification. Mm-hmm. So when you were saying earlier about, or just now, really, uh, that Ford sees them as like, like just tools or whatever. Now, is that how he sees them, or is that how he wants them to be? Because I was thinking that the his exposition was saying that Arnold, as played by Jeffrey Wright, right? Yeah, so like Arnold mm-hmm. was writing code into them to make them more conscious, mm-hmm. and it wasn't that he was disagreeing with what he was seeing, but he was saying, "No, that's not their purpose, and don't let them do that." Like, like striking a kid's hand by a, a hot oven, like, "Don't do that; you're going to get burned." I thought that's what it was. Not so much that they were debating whether it was possible. I think it might have been both. That is just. <laughs> Okay. One, it's it's not possible, and two, like that's not what the purpose of them is. Okay. And I think that after Arnold's death, like the the whole thing of him wiping Arnold from the history of Westworld, I don't know if that is separate, if that's separately motivated, or is if it's part of why he he made Arnold, he made Bernard in in Arnold's image. He made him the creator of Southworld. Well, we were given uh, – no, really, though. We were given a hint that there is more to this yeah. Yeah. arc Which than is just I, a Western. Yeah. Because uh, I genuinely would like to see a samurai. Yeah. Uh, there's there's uh, Westworld. There's Samurai World. There's Sex World. If could get a CGI Toshiro Mifune, I would uh, – <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah. No, I'd be on board for that. One thing I do want to talk about, though um, – okay – Another reason why I wasn't a big fan of this was that mm-hmm. this is a huge premise, and it's not that I want, like, I don't want this to be like the lobster where like somebody sits down with a guest and explains every possible rule and whatnot of this world. Like, I don't want you know everything thought out, but I did feel like after the first couple episodes, it was extremely lacking in like the day to day how this even runs itself because. Um, one thing I never, like, one a, a character had to explain this to me as an audience member who's skeptical. Mm. What the fuck does an audience member, or a guest, I should say, mm. 
care about these narratives. Like the ones that are in town, I get like those are like branching narratives off of whatever. But like when like and we we it only got more and more ludicrous from the start because they kept hinting at like oh they want a bigger narrative and a bigger whatever. But like when um like literally that the the, the season finale ends with uh, Dolores and uh, Teddy's character on the beach and it's it's like a 1930s you know John Ford Western uh, ending and whatnot. Uh, and then everybody's like clapping or whatever. Like do they think that a guest is gonna pay forty thousand dollars to watch two robots fuck? <laughs> No, I, I I never understood once why. Like, well, maybe you're, because you're, the whole the whole purpose is that it's supposed to say that these narratives lead the guests to find more about themselves. Because uh, from the outside perspective, it seems like the guests mostly pretty much just do want what the most obvious things are, which is our killing and, and fucking. fucking. I, I I'm I'm really interested in. In what you just said, Nick, because like from the perspective of that criticism, you sound like the board. You sound like the board. You sound like the board who who's coming into the But the boards are the antagonists. Yeah. Well No no, so so what I'm trying to say is is I never felt that the writers of Westworld ever effectively use Anthony Hopkins' character effectively enough as a mouthpiece for why, these why this narr- needs to happen. Why these narratives and I, exist. I think it was possible, like it, but they never really gave it enough service because... I, I guess, from my perspective... Because we follow the only... We, we follow William. He's the only guest, besides Logan, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He's the only guest that we follow mm-hmm. from start to finish. Yeah, right? the, the man in black, too. Yeah. He's the same person. We do follow his character, though. Right, right, but I'm saying he's the only guest. Like, okay, William, the man in black. I'm oh, saying. <laughs> I see. Um, Sorry. He's the only guest <laughs> that we follow. Mm. I got you. Uh, like, we, we see glimpses, we think at least, of other guests. Uh, and they hang out in the brothels, they're in the saloon, whatever. Uh, but William is doing. So you center your entire show around the one person who gets so fucking seduced by Westworld that he wants corporate stakes in the company um which is totally fine but mm. like yeah. same at that yeah, yeah. but like it seemed like westworld as envisioned by anthony hopkins but not just envisioned as run by anthony hopkins is only trying to go after the williams of the world when yet the only way it could run is if it caters it's, i just never understand like how any of this was a viable use of their time i think that could I yeah. sort of give an, like at least my interpretation, my yeah. explanation of like why the hell narratives even exist in Westworld? Right. And I, before you start, yes. I just want to at least give a caveat. Yes, I get why at least mini narratives start, like yes. when they walk through the town and they say, "Oh, you can go prospecting," or "Oh, you can go bounty hunting," mm-hmm. whatever. But the the narratives that are like miles off the yeah. mainland, yeah. yeah, I'm like, whoa, this is a lot of work for a forty thousand dollar yeah uh, amusement park. Anyway, yeah. so. The way, at least, that I'm going to try to explain it, I'm not trying to be smarmy when I say this. No, no, no. Like, this is just how I'm interpreting it. And, no, be like, smarmy, prick. Okay. okay. Um, what's a theme park without rides? What's a theme park without being able to, like, do different things and have your own experiences and build your own, like, sort of experiences, no matter how far out you want to go out to it? Like, when the, the one of the main reference for the the... the the writing and the construction of this show that I just keep on reading about all the time with, with interviews with, with Jonathan Nolan and the other, um, 
uh, showrunner about this is that they were looking towards like open world video games as sort of being like the 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 model for what they were trying to like emulate in Westworld and stuff. And I can totally see that because you have like a like speaking very briefly from my own perspective of of being a video gamer and stuff like playing open world games like this like Red Dead Redemption and and Grand Theft Auto Five or whatever. And it's just like I don't always want to like go out out of the gate and just start shooting and just like killing everything and just like hog tying shit. Sometimes you just want to be led down like an initial direction that lets you branch off and then you're able to like go buck wild or the fuck you want. It's like, it's really just like honing them in to sort of like cultivate the sort of experience that they want you to have. And it's funny, Nick, you actually brought up the, Oh, I'm paying $40,000 a day, whatever, you know, these elaborate things, maybe they, their purpose is the more interesting and the more involved they are, the longer the guests will stay and spend more money. Also, um, circling back to something that you mentioned earlier, Alex, when you were talking about the, the sort of narratives and the circuits and kind of like how you were, bored with having seen them already and stuff and I'm just like I mean doesn't stop you from going back to Disney World <laughs> doesn't stop you from going back to like Spaceship Earth and other stuff like that I mean yeah but I go on Spaceship Earth once and then when I go back four years later I'll go on it again yeah you're watching the same thing over and over in a like multiple times in a one fifty-five minute episode Spaceship Earth doesn't stop <laughs> What? I'm saying. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's it, yeah. I I I, saying, I, get, I, get, saying, I get what you're, you're, you're saying. seeing this from like a a, a daily sort of like yeah. perspective thing. It's just like as expensive as Westworld is. Like it may be like a either a every once in a four years or or maybe like a once in a lifetime yeah. thing yeah. for those guests. Okay, but from will, the perspective of like a viewer, I can see how it could become redundant. I will well, yeah. say everything that both of you are saying in response to my question. I. Uh, completely agree with so I don't think I'm actually articulating my question mm-hmm. well enough which is that the the grandiose narratives presented by both Hopkins and the other guy who was the other dude I don't know his name who but somehow can uh, be an alcoholic at the yeah could we could we get more uh, also we didn't get that so there's like a resort area Lee. of Westworld where Lee. people can just go and Haley can out by the pool. Like, well, that clearly, cool. what it, yeah, I was gonna say like if you're <laughs> if you're not into that whole thing, Westworld, then you can just go to a Hilton, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know, but um, yeah, and that actually that leads me to another thing, but I'll bring that up in a second. Yeah, but my my question is the narratives that Ford is chasing, and I think to a lesser extent, but still equally viable, Lee is chasing, are narratives in which I don't understand how a guest is involved. Like, they, they have their own stories, and they have their own... So are they, like... I, like the the thing he presents to uh, when he's... I forgot what the name of it was. Like, none of that, like, I understood as a viewer wh- how what that would do for a guest... Ooh. What what story are you talking about? Are you talking about the one Lee's story? He, yeah, the one that he showed where he's like, I call it, and then he gave a name. Something and, on the, the and he's got blood the whole cast yeah. of characters there. Right, yeah. But like, I never once understood how a how a guest would fit into it. Like, I guess it, it seemed more like an actual narrative one that exists with or without the guest. And and if that's the case, then what what does a guest have to offer these self-sustaining narratives, which we also get glimpses of too, that, that in the park, these things are happening, war, whatnot. And, and it's like, do they really have a place inside these narratives? I, I think that do, do, do these they... are reactive narratives that are sort of instigated and 
push forward simply. How would, he, how would a guest of, fit into what they see on the beach? Like, what does that have to do? I don't know. Okay. So, I can't, at least I can't, I'm not crazy, yeah, right? You're not crazy. And no. yet the board is like, whoa. That, that was This like, fucking guy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know this is where – the next John Ford, where, am I right? Where the board started when, when Robert Ford introduced them to this new narrative okay. and how they actually got on the fucking beach. I thought that was a cool moment. I just like – Yeah. I mean, I didn't yeah. like – I didn't just like, like the party itself, but like the fact that they were bowled over by that presentation, I'm like, this is so far the opposite of what I think you would want. But then you're talking about you're, – you're, you're talking about how these – how the guests fit into these different narratives and – we, we can't, by the, by we, the time Westworld we, finished, yeah. I, I ultimately think that guests don't matter in this world. We can't just lump in Lee and Robert Ford with the same sort of like motivations of what they're going after narratives because no. that's that's the, 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 the that's. But because we don't get nearly as much information on Lee's yeah. narrative itself, yeah. I was just left going, "Wait, how does that even work?" Lee's like, whole hedonistic like personality like feeds into like the narratives that he builds and that. Robert Ford even says that they're a reflection of you is like you just well, think that the 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 guests just want to eat and fuck and whatever. How does for how the most does part the, they do? Also, there are a lot of and I, I'm not trying to get into like nitpicks or anything like that, but these are I thought would have been fascinating subjects for mm-hmm. the uh, which is like autonomy in this park. How does this park police? Which it doesn't seem like it does any policing. Like, it's weird. It's like they're always watching, and yet <laughs> they're never watching what's important, which yeah. I didn't quite get. But how does this park police uh, against a guest who, for example, guests can't shoot uh, – or no, they can shoot a host, obviously. Mm-hmm. A host can't shoot a guest. Mm-hmm. If, if but they're all using the same ammunition, so that's weird. But they're all doing that. But I was going to say, but the uh, what is to stop Logan from using that knife he uses against a, a host yeah. against a guest? And yeah. why couldn't we have gotten a fascinating episode that starts to wrestle with where do they draw the line? So that's, that's ultimately where my disappointment with the show comes mm-hmm. in is that instead of – structuring this like a puzzle box why not take this premise that you so wonderfully set up and why not actually for the first season continue to set it up really start to lay down how this is work what guests get out of this what hosts get I mean, out of I mean, this I mean I don't know if the creators of Westworld thought there would be a second season that's so that's sort of what I'm, I'm that's fine but then they should have did a lot less like it's you know you know why the reason is that they didn't explore on those those sorts of ideas. I think those are very good ideas. Um, honestly, I'm not saying these are plot holes. I'm no, just no, saying no. these are unspoken, like... like These are unspoken possibilities that yeah. are just sort of, like, hanging there that at, at the point now where the story is that you just cannot... Right. You can't wind the clocks back yes. and be able to That's do I mean. sort We've of like that. We've already gone through all this. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've already, like, blazed past, like what could have been and now what this show like actually is and, like kind of like roping back to what I was talking about with Dollhouse is that that's more episodic. I think that the reason why they didn't sort of explore those, those sorts of ideas was because each episode costs like, I don't know how many millions of dollars they only had 10 and they they really were trying to like wrap this up as one cohesive succinct thing, and they were trying to like we touch on. Spent a lot of time with William I traveling know. to the end of Westworld. I know, really yeah. doing much nothing much else, but like it's like three episodes for him to like get to the uh, Confederados, get on the train, uh, get to the Indian tribe. Like these are things that don't matter because it's a fucking fake narrative, <laughs> and yet we have to spend that much time with it. A fake narrative that eventually rolls over into a. 
But no, a, but a it's narrative a fake narrative that, that because them. everything that William goes through is moot. What about everything Dolores, the man in the black? What about Dolores? Yeah. Well, I thought that was still moot. Like her arc doesn't really begin until present day. So what is she following to get out to the beach? Programming. Yeah. So she just gets up and leaves and changes her outfits and just goes out there? Are we talking about the end? No, I'm talking about that Dolores arrives at the church area at the same time that the man in black is there, whatever. Yep. We as the audience are just assuming that she's traveling there with William this whole time right, and then right, it's right. turned around and yep. then but she still has to get there. Yep. So is is her whole storyline just supposed to be her yeah, so going it, up by herself? It, it starts we literally do see it, and like as far as, but we didn't realize that it's fractured off in a way that we were unable to, you know, yeah, follow until we know both halves. But it starts with the whole man in black coming to her barn of mm. trying to rape her, whatever, and then her sleeping on the camp, and then William doesn't run into her this time because William is the man in black. So then I think it's led to believe that. Instead of her running into William, she just continues to make this trip solo. And that's okay. why she starts to like flash in and out of both timelines because memory is kind of unfathomable to her. So that's why when she's like in the middle of the town and she's like, I feel like I've been here before, she hasn't. But she has in the future, and those are two uh, inseparable things to her uh, barely it's conscious. Really cool. Yeah, no, no. I mean, so, so that's one part I'll admit that was hmm. thought out. Like Dolores makes perfect sense. Yeah, in my opinion, at least. Also, too, I, I like the idea that we kind of see that she is in fact an older model, and she has like the moving parts inside of her. All the newer are more yeah. made Synthetic. like humans. Yeah. yeah. So that that was that was pretty awesome. I thought there were so many great little character details throughout, uh, especially with Dolores. I already mentioned that I, I really liked Jeffrey Wright's performance as Bernard. We haven't really talked about Maeve. Uh, I, I liked Fanny Newton's performance, even though I didn't necessarily love I will say her performance line. was my favorite performance, even yeah. if it wasn't my favorite story arc, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. What um, was your favorite story arc? I guess if I had to choose one, it would be Dolores, but Dolores separate <laughs> from the man in black like mm-hmm. it's not so much how everything tied up into the man in black and arnold and whatnot but yeah. hers was the only consistent i thought narrative uh and that survived all the reveals and reverse reveals that yeah. like it hers is the only one that if i rewatch this season which i don't think i will yeah. uh would be enhanced uh, mm. if I watched it. Uh, so hers is my favorite, even though I didn't actually care for Evan Rachel Woods' performance too much. Oh. Like I didn't think it was bad, but uh, I the fact that it was nominated did not really. I didn't understand that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, I guess I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Wyatt's reveal. If you guys give a shit about that, like. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I felt like that whole thing was just I still so, don't even understand it. So leaky throughout. I mean, the idea that she's supposed to have been Wyatt the entire time, but is that just kind but of like she's you know, it, not? Is it, no. Was, was uh, that was that basically an abandoned storyline that uh, just got reopened okay. towards the end? Or, so, first of all, I'm, Wyatt doesn't get introduced, I'm gonna, so to speak, I'm, until like episode four or five. So they only had five episodes to even build it up. Okay, so I'm going to try to like lay this out and explain it. Okay, so Arnold saw that 
Dolores and the rest of the host could be conscious. They could be alive, right? And he couldn't live with himself that he was basically inflicting like these these conscious, like aware and like creatures to continually being killed and and raped and just having horrible things inflicted on them just for for entertainment. So he imprinted this storyline, this character that Arnold and and uh, Ford are working on, named Wyatt his patterns at least onto Dolores in order to like stage this entire like massacre. And it just so happened that Teddy was also originally, he, he, he was originally uh, set up to be a part of that Wyatt storyline. And he already had a relationship to Dolores where he was meant to protect her and stuff like that. Right. And so they commit the entire like massacre. Um, Dolores kills Arnold and sort of that, with the massacre and the Arnold suicide is are like, the same thing. It's the same event. They're the same event. That's a weird. I guess I did not realize. Yeah, that. I, mean, the, I knew it's the same town and the same. Yeah, like, they're, they're they're the same event. Okay. And so later, thirty years later down the line, it's like Ford resurrects that same area that had been buried over in the attempt to like erase everything that happened with with Arnold. Basically resurrected it, built the entire church back up, built, built the entire town back up exactly as it had been, and then reinstigated this entire like Wyatt storyline to eventually culminate with her sort of becoming this messianic sort of like freedom leading the people to, to what a, victory. What a great image too to end the season on of her just shooting the gun randomly at yeah. people. Yeah. So fabulous. She is she is Wyatt and she is Dolores. Yeah. There was never a Wyatt. Th- th- there, there was never a. So who is the random person that they kept putting in Wyatt's play? Because that's weird. It's well, just, no, that, like, it's just that, written into his memories now, like now, that. I was gonna say. I think the only time we actually ever see a person or a a vision of what Wyatt is is through Teddy's right. imagining. But I'm it, saying, so. like, what? Who? Where did that person come from? Oh, it it's has from to be Ford in, creating that. He put he put him. But into I would think the, that he still has to be a creation. No. No, no, that that's that's that just a sense. that's a just a fabrication in in Teddy's mind. I'm just saying he still has to like exist somewhere. Like I I don't know. I guess I'm a believer in the concept that like even in our dreams that's drawn from. So I was still waiting for that person to be revealed like as just the bartender and you know I'm just saying like I still don't think that that's far fetched. I mean we see the the section of of Westworld of the actual like place where they're manufacturing well, stuff where they're even... like building the actual like models and stuff. So it's it's it it really does become the question of like what comes first does the body come first or does the narrative come first? Tucson, I uh, clearly the bodies came to Westworld before the narratives did. <laughs> Uh, I'm interested hearing your thoughts on something that is pretty much left there for mm-hmm. people on the internet to talk about yeah. until the next season, yeah. which is the body that Ford is creating in his little lair, and then we don't actually find out what that actually is. And I'm sure there's plenty of theories about, is he creating another version of himself? Is yeah. he crea- it, what are your thoughts on that, and is that something that people shouldn't get caught in the rabbit hole of thinking about that's all the show has. I mean, no, I'm just saying like that's this, the MO of we'll see, show. We'll see how this show evolves beyond. I'd like to move past these, these flashbacks and these multiple timelines. I'd like to see like a lot less of that in the, the second season, but 
<laughs> they're probably going to have like some aspect of that in this. I was like, I just I want them to like move on to something different in, in terms of structure. But returning to your question, Alex, yeah. uh, about that body is like. You have like the last quote from Ford where you're just like Mozart and Chopin's like they never die. They just simply became their music. Like that's just sort of been like the anchor of that whole theory that that body that he created might have been like a substitute for his own consciousness or at least an iteration of his consciousness to live on. It's chappy. After. (laughs) I still don't think Ford who gets shot is Ford. I think that personally, I think that Ford that that that. That that was Ford. I would like to think that that's. Well, I'd be shocked if it was Ford. I, I I I would like that to have actually been Ford, and I really don't want whatever what, whatever the the outcome of that that body that is there that's being built. Um, I don't want it to actually be a replacement for Ford. I really want Ford to be taken off the oh, board. He's coming back. And to actually have, like, some consequence. The nice thing, though, about him coming back is we likely will never get the answer if the Ford that comes back is the actual Ford or if it is just the creation. Mm. Like, the audience will never get Mm. the satisfaction of knowing for sure, which... I still don't get why his name is Robert Ford. (laughs) No, it's bothering me because we have, besides him... We have these very classical Western names. We have Wyatt as in Wyatt Earp. We have Clementine as in My Darling Clementine. Mm-hmm. Those are hosts. And What about Darla, uh, Dolores Abernathy? Uh, I mean, those are pretty... Of, those, those are archetypal like, you know, Western yeah. names. And then he has the most archetypal name. So that can't be a coincidence, or that's just stupid writing. Uh, so that's why I, like, I still am surprised. That Maybe we, it was just supposed to be just a wink to the audience in sort of that way. Like, but you can't do that in a show that is like so heavy on what you're seeing is not what you're really seeing. So that's why I still think it's mm. it's an indication of something. And even if it means that Ford was a real person the whole time, yeah. I think it's at least indicative that we're going to get copies of Ford and Ford is in no way dead, so to speak. Mm. Yeah. So, you want to go to final thoughts and, and a f- out of five star rating for this when first season? When we did season? Bloodline, mm-hmm. we did... Letter grades. Okay, do you we could do, we could do, do that. Yeah, it up? Let's, let's do it. Do yeah. Any iteration, whether it be solid or minus plus. Are we going with AV Club rules, yeah, or we can have much. like? Okay, cool. Yep. Um, I guess I'll just start off. Like, I really did enjoy this season and following it. It's like I will not say that this did not have problems. Obviously, it did because we spent a greater part of the of the episode just like unpacking. Uh, elements that were either not expanded upon enough or they were just so opaque that they just really didn't communicate the same things to the same viewers. Um, I don't think that I'm not, I'm not going to cop out and say, it's like, well, that's just like a, like an aspect of the dimensionality of like the show is like, no, there are some things that are just poorly written that are just not well explained and that they just, just fall on their face. But that's also the beauty of television because yeah. you can always, if you're going to continue, you always have more time to, yeah. to retroactively make things better. Yeah. So. I think that this season was, was constructed as a long-form, single, self-contained thing that was just like so happened to be, be cut up into episodes. Yeah, there's really nothing wrong if this had ended after the first season. Yeah, I think that this was actually I, – I could I, – I, I, I could live with this being the one season of this thing, even though I really did enjoy the shows. Like, but I, at least from what I've gleaned from like interviews with Evan Rachel Wood, she says that like you know this is just the prequel to the actual show proper, 
And I was like, that's got me excited for it. I want to see, like, where... All she's thinking when she says that is cash them checks, baby. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I just want... I I would like to see this show move past the the sort of tricks and conceits that it that the first season was so reliant on was stringing us along with like is the man in black this guy is it this guy where's the maze there's a snake in my boot <laughs> somebody poisoned the water hole it actually sounded more like Goofy from Mickey Mouse <laughs> yeah but um yeah I'm I'm looking forward to where where the show goes yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess my letter grade for this would be a. I'll give it a B minus. A B minus. I'll give it Whoa! A, I'll give it a B That's minus. a pretty big departure from your initial <laughs> reaction to the show. No, it's like for my his initial... grade's not going to be that far off from mine. I was going to say his grade's going to be below mine, which I'm kind of cool. really yeah yeah. I was like you know it's just like looking back on this conversation and just like what I sort sort of the estimation of what I took away from the show. Like it's not perfect. I think that it still passes. It's it has some major things that it needs to work on, but I feel like the core of like what's good about it is there. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I uh, I did quite enjoy watching this series, and I do plan on some at some point rewatching it again. Uh, I think Jeffrey Wright and Evan Rachel Wood are actually perfect for use on television. I've seen quite a few actually Jeffrey Wright characters on television, which is crazy because i don't really watch a lot of television so but i think he does really good work uh evan rachel wood who was fantastic in mildred pierce and i thought was actually really good here as well uh you know those two people seem like they have something to bring to the table in a longer form uh and and as i as i kind of mentioned i hit on a little bit at the end of our last episode i feel like artificial intelligence is something that could really be done well in the television format as opposed to in film where you only have a limited amount of time to tell your story and if you tell it right uh, you could really delve more into what you're trying to say uh i I do agree that there are quite a few parts of this that that weren't great uh and that felt a little stale Uh, but for the most part i enjoyed almost every episode and i enjoyed most of the twists and turns throughout uh, so again, as someone who doesn't watch a lot of TV and was totally fine watching nine episodes and just a little over a day of this, uh, first season of Westworld. Ten uh, episodes. Well, I didn't watch the pilot again. So. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, what? Sorry, buddy. No, no, I did. I got confused. Uh, um, I will give this a solid B. Um, I will say something that I, I didn't love is that. Uh, if you can make every episode an hour and then you have to have your final episode be an hour and a half and then it's just filled with a bunch of filler anyways, I don't really see the purpose for that. So one last little jab at it. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to a, do a second season. And uh, I'm interested to see where it goes here because it definitely uh, seemed like it got a really nice base of people watching it. So we'll see. Uh, if it gets even more grand and elaborate in the second season. So, moving on to Nick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wasn't really a fan. I, I wanted to be. I'm really into the concepts that are explored in this show, but I wouldn't say very well uh, dissected. Uh this is a show that I thought the setup was great. I thought the first two episodes were really, really good. In fact, it's one of my favorite pilots in the last five years or so. Um, 
But after that, I I thought what is here is a fascinating story, but it was one that wasn't really told in this season. Because if we would have gotten an actual like, if you want to do multiple timelines, then that's great. Show us an episode. Show us episodes that deal with half of Bernard and, uh, or I should say, Arnold and Ford's arguments back when they were creating the park juxtaposed with how the park is falling apart present day Uh, you know stop doing these mystery box narratives just for the sake of getting people to watch sci-fi television because guess what great sci-fi television doesn't rely on that even the biggest puzzle box show of them all lost there was nothing mystical about that show until season two. The entire first season is about investigating who these characters are that landed on this island. And that's 24 episodes worth of diving into characters' past and how they interact with each other. And it's not even until the second season that they blow open a hatch, which starts the whole freaking thing. And then time travel and other crazy things are added. But this is from the get-go. Uh, I don't think these writers have faith in uh, in an audience to want to just go along for the ride and get to know these characters before the f- uh, shoe drops. And that's always the wrong road to take, in my opinion, when it comes to sci-fi television. Maybe not sci-fi movies, because that's such a sh- short time span, so you got to go big or go home. But uh, it absolutely didn't work here for me. There was too much wheel spinning uh, and not enough developing uh, what could have been pretty potentially uh, revealing twists. And if I was on the fence throughout the series, the finale officially sealed it as I'm just not going to watch season two. I mean, I, you know, I'll hear about it. So if something I hear about piques my interest, but uh, nothing about the finale makes me want to continue this story. Like you guys said, it almost feels like its own story. So I'm not interested. If this is the prequel, I'm not really interested in what they think the real story should be. Cause I thought the real story was in that pilot where we were going to see what the intersection between consciousness and uh, free will and all those kind of fun stuff. Uh, but I'm not here for these cheap narratives and fuck for it. If he thinks I'm going to pay $40,000 for it. So <laughs> I, I, I got to give it a C cause I would not say it was unwatchable. I, there are certainly good performances. I do love Jeffrey Wright. I, and you know, and as I famously say, like if that's Jeffrey Wright, then I don't want to be Jeffrey wrong. Am I right? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, I, wow. I did. I did love Thanny Newton's performance, um, and a few other little things here and there. There are some great moments. I will admit, uh, as much as I'm with you, uh, Alex, when you say like the whole Thanny Newton storyline was way too repetitive. Whatever, it does get paid off well with one line when she says the whole "I've died a thousand times." Can yeah. you? Like, yeah. You know, like at least that kind of. Like, I even I like Sol- that Sylvester. Moment. Yeah. 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 Fuck that that piece of shit. Um, <laughs> And, yeah, and maybe stop (laughs) trying to be... One other thing that I never really brought up during the course of the review, so I'm sorry if I don't really give a forum for it to actually be expanded upon, but one thing I want to mention is that for a show that continually tries to suggest that Westworld shows the depravity of the true human soul and mind or whatever, um, and yet we're then pretty much told that, no, really, it's employees that are the most depraved, like... Sexual assault is a real thing that deserves to be taken seriously. And I'm just going to say we brought up Dollhouse. Dollhouse has an entire episode devoted to the moral uh, ineptitude that comes from a person thinking that it's okay to take their authoritative place in employment and to coerce 
beings, whether they be human or non-human, mm-hmm. uh, to have sexual consent against their will, even if they will never truly remember or process what's happening. Yeah. Here, we get s- a sexual assault becomes the foreground of a joke while uh, a, a bot is throwing a human around. And, uh, you know, if if you're not even going to address it, considering you keep saying, then I don't want to see it at all, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was one of the weakest parts of this, especially because it's HBO. So you have carte blanche to go all in, so to speak. I mean, I'm not expecting a, you know, um, employee of the month, the Sopranos level of, well, because that's one of the greatest use of sexual assault in a television show mm. as far as like actually figuring out the complexities of the pathos behind the victim and the people around the victim. Mm. Uh, but uh, this just by the end of like the fact that they were using it by a joke, that's where I think I truly turned it off. Cause I realized that clearly me and Westworld uh, are not operating on the same wavelength yeah. as of awareness. And, of and what that's totally fine, but actually I, playing I don't want to watch the show itself. So. Yeah, I can't, if, if I'm able to just yeah, like yeah. retort a little bit to that, it's like, you know, I can't really, uh, when you, when you point it out like that, I was just going to say that the whole, the whole premise of this being like a, a, a case study in, in human depravity is like, I didn't really, I, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's something with me, but it's just like, it didn't really come across as that. It didn't really feel like it really lingered enough or explored enough that of that in depth. All I, all I saw was just, uh, I saw Logan stab his knife into a guy's hand. I was like, wow, what a fucking dick. Yeah. What a fucking dick. And then I saw a whole lot of people fucking a lot of people in a bathtub, and I'm just like, wow. I saw people painting gold. That's HBO. And, I, and it's like it didn't really go as Like far. nothing, uh, you know, one, one of my favorite moments in television history of all time is in uh, the Pegasus episode of Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. And I'm only bringing this up because it's actually a direct parallel to the right. same themes. So a Cylon in Battlestar Galactica is basically what appears to be human, and they're even copies of, like, a human being, mm-hmm. but they're a robot, yeah. and humans usually don't know. Uh, so in this case, they do know of a Cylon, but because they the Cylon hasn't turned, they treat it like a human being. I'm only setting all this up so you understand the pathos of yeah. what's about to happen. So in an in a episode in which uh, Battlestar Galactica runs across another ship named the Pegasus, mm. uh, and their crews join together and start working together or whatever, the, the two ships have very different views as to how Cylons, whether... Uh, whether they have any rights or not. And there's a moment in which two members... We should treat them like humans. Like, no, fuck them and eat them! Well, and there, there's, a, there's a moment in which two members of the Battlestar Galactica uh, ship's crew uh, find out where a Cylon's being held because they didn't realize this. And even though they don't even really, I would say... They're still unsure as to how they want to treat the Cylon. They know that whatever the other ship's crew is doing to them is going to be ten times worse because they don't... And so the the scene of them racing across a ship to essentially stop a Cylon from being raped uh, is one of the most powerful images I've ever seen in television. And I'm surprised for a show that continually, like Westworld, that brings that kind of idea to the forefront uh, that I never once got any... Or I would say the show never once tried to dive into that. And maybe maybe it knows that it has nothing to say in that department, yeah. so it doesn't want to. But it, like I said earlier, then you should back off and not depict it at all because, uh, like, yeah, you can have the the hosts fuck the robots or whatever, but stop alluding to sexual assault Mm -hmm. and these other 
acts of depravity if you have no intent into actually uh, portraying them in it. I wouldn't say a realistic way, but at least an empathetic way. Yeah, I mean, and just sort of, if I can retort the yep. least to that, um, I think, I guess the main difference in, in, in that case is that, like, Battlestar Galactica, from what you've described for that episode, is, like, that is more of, like, a an open system, whereas, like, in Westworld, like, it's, I feel like this sort of air of... of a feudalism of, of not not feudalism of futility is sort of like ingrained in any sort of yeah. like like appeal towards towards intervention or or of like an but appeal even to humanity. Like Dollhouse, it was like also, why stop the, why stop her from being raped? She's gonna just be part of the narrative again. It was yeah. like yeah, it's it's kind of but even something like Dollhouse, which uh, had the same exact kind of corporate bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Antagonist overlords, mm. uh, despite the fact that it had that complete cynical from a top-down view on whatever its uh, place of employment was doing, there's an entire episode devoted to the handler that continually rapes Sierra in her sleep. Yeah, and they finally catch him on video because they didn't know it was happening, and even that's handled with a like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like, why is everybody that works at Westworld a piece of shit?" Or a robot. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and there's even... I, I don't remember the exact circumstance surrounding it, but you have... It doesn't f- need to be feel-good. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you have the the first time when we see, oh, he's raping a, raping a host again. <laughs> fucking Darren. Like, it, <laughs> fucking Darren. It's just... It seems like it's just... Uh, ah, just back to raping, I guess. Yeah, I'm just waiting for them to put him on sick leave and send him to another Westworld somewhere. <laughs> Uh, but but uh, no, but that was the ultimate like trump card. Every time a character wanted someone to do something for them, it was like, oh, oh let me just get out my iPad here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. rapist! Yeah. You be raping. Yeah, we do have cameras here. Yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> this is like the most technologically advanced. Uh, infrastructure I've ever seen put on television, maybe film, and uh, somehow they don't think... We uh, have cameras everywhere. That's not me. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't me. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. You're really a robot. What? (laughs) Just has a moment. And they they cut themselves. No, but they accidentally do their neck. They're like, I was just kidding. Oh, shit. So, uh, if you have any thoughts on Westworld uh, and uh, really anything about the the season, you can always yeah, send them on to us. Yeah, if you have any thoughts or just any thoughts at all, like, yeah. like like if you're you know becoming cognizant of these processes, uh, uh, get help. If you're moving past the bicameral <laughs> mind into true consciousness, then why don't you write to us and let us know how that's like? Or also, s- I recommend Anthony Spinelli's uh, adult hardcore movie called Sex World, uh, which was a, uh, a homage to the original Westworld film. Which is just I, I, re- fucking redundant when you were telling me about that. Like, it's like going to Westworld and then going to Hawk-type world. Yeah, like, but Sex World had a much catchier theme. Uh, was Yul Brenner in this one as well? No. No, it didn't make it up No, it was weird. Mm. Yeah. Mm. No. Anyways, uh, if you have any thoughts on anything uh, we've just talked about sex or world. sex world, yeah. you can send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. Coming up on our next episode, inching closer to episode 100, uh-huh. uh, episode 98 coming up uh, next week, we're going to talk about Martin Scorsese's new film, which is Silence, uh, a passion project that he's been working on for not necessarily in production, but has been kind of there having the idea for this film for 
over two decades, and he finally makes this. And at least from the outset, this uh, is just a very un-Martin Scorsese-like film. But saying that, he also has made films like this before, not necessarily like this, but are that are out of his usual range, like something like Cape Fear mm-hmm. or other films. Uh, like of his that. Shutter Island, yeah. like where he goes to these, like big genre epics but, almost but here you have this uh at least from from someone who doesn't really know too much about it you have this religious samurai story uh which I, not necessarily that it's going to be that I don't know much if it's samurai but yeah well it, but it, it kind of different nationality that he's used to yeah i, I was gonna say it, it's just it 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 delves into something that is out of his usual arena um, and we'll see what it is. Uh, it is another long film, which is pretty much all you can expect from Morton Scorsese. Uh, so we will see how that is on next week's episode. You can always find our episodes at filmtankshow.com. Uh, you can also find them on iTunes or Stitcher as well at Film Tank Show. And if you want to try to find us, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram every once in a while at Film Tank Show as well. So from Tucson, Egan, Nick Cheney, and myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for catching up with us here on Film Tank, and we'll catch up with you next time. Yeah.